Welcome to If It's Gay We Play. You might be wondering, say some more words. Um, hello. This is another voice that you probably yeah, haven't heard you before. might be wondering. This is a new voice. Who's that t- tall drink of water that I can <laughs> tall hear? Tall drink of water? Here's that yeah. very short drink of water, but very satisfying drink of water That's that I me. can hear on this podcast. It's <laughs> short but it's, satisfying. It's um, it's like very, it's like artisanal <clears throat> mineral water, which isn't a thing. Or this a, is or like a mini series. It's a mini yeah, series. It's a mini series. A mini series. Um, this is Addie. Hi, I'm Say Addie. Hi, Addie. Um, so Kai, why is Addie here? You might be wondering. Uh, where's I'm Kai? wondering that. Kai's, I'm right here. Kai's right here I'm in the room. <laughs> Addie's even Addie is wondering. Um, so Kai had to uh, go to the hospital a few days ago because they had to have an emergency appendectomy. Yikes! Or um, medically speaking, uh, a, a bad tum. Yeah, <laughs> medi- the correct medical term is a bit a real bad tum, just a real rumbly situation. <laughs> And uh, so they've been recovering. They are continuing to recover, and they're on some opioids. Um, and not the most lucid human being I've ever met in my life right now. Which, like, opioids, super fun, yeah. but, like, not the most conducive for podcasting. Right. And they're just in a lot of pain. But they're here, and they're going to be chiming in. Um, supervising. They're supervising. supervising. They're our podcast supervisor, but we didn't want them to have to feel the pressure they also laughing hurts them. Laughing hurts them. So <laughs> having them to have them be funny for an hour seemed like a cruel jape for their rumbly tum. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, can I talk about the saddest but funniest part of your problem? You yeah, you can. Oh no. Shit in my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the time you shave your pants. So conversely to that, Kai has not pooped in four days. Oh no. It it's four. It's Thursday, so you pooped on Thursday. Pooped so Thursday. If it Friday, feels like five, it might as well be five. Yeah, Friday, like Saturday, seven. Sunday. Today's Monday, so it's been like three and a half days. So we're gunning for today. We're gunning. Maybe the pod, during that coffee, maybe the podcast energy will draw the yes. <laughs> poop out of you. Pull the poop out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's God. what we're here for. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. My name's Hannah, my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Addie, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And we're going to talk, we're going to... Can I do a shout out for So I'm Aaron. This is Aaron. He, him, his. Yeah. We've never done Aaron's pronouns, and that's uh, unkind of us. That's a damn shame is what it is. Aaron's here, as always. I never thought of it. His pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, Kai's here, (laughs) and their pronouns are they, them, theirs. Kai. Um, and... Oh, poor baby. Poor baby. (laughs) Poor baby. This is Kai. Don't laugh. That's, okay. yeah. It's, Maybe we should quarantine you, like, in a ju- in soundproof a, jar. Yeah, in a no That's funny zone. Hang on, no, no funny zone. We feel better. Okay. In a jokes-free zone. No jokes. Jokes is in the room. Jokes is going to come and kiss your little tum and make it all better. <laughs> your real bad tum. Your real bad tum. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so. Is there anything from Call Out Corner? Um, I haven't actually listened to last week's episode of you. Oh, I have. I, t- hold on, I'm leaning, I'm leaning the mic yeah, closer don't, to Kai so we can do a, 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 this segment. I don't have anything from Call Out Corner that I can think of. Um, it, it, there were just some, there were just some times where I feel like I said some things that were a little bit unnecessarily callous and cruel last week. Really? Yeah, that just re-listening just made me feel a little bit bad. So I'm well, really you did that. cry telling me how strong I was yesterday. Uh, I'm just really <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yesterday I came home. I got a tattoo yesterday, and it my the like 
wrapping, I like went to a thing and my wrapping had like split open. And uh, to Kai, I was like, yeah, I'm just too strong, too muscly. And Kai looks at me and goes, Hannah, you're just so strong. And starts crying. Is that because you were high? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's because. <laughs> are you crying again? No. It's. Can I tell you something? Emotions are totally valid. And if you want to cry about Hannah being strong again, please do. And I know it sounds like my voice is mocking, but that's just like a problem that I suffer from. So. <laughs> yeah, that's just how Addie talks. <laughs> I really mean I have, it. I have this new goof I do to Addie where I go, the cow goes moo, the chicken goes uh, whatever it does. <laughs> and then Addie goes, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> It's true. You'll probably hear a lot of that on this yeah. podcast. The mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my like, I'm agreeing with you voice. Yeah, that's how he's affirmation sounds like I don't approve. I know it does. I'm really bad about it. As <laughs> as Hannah once termed me, uh, my middle name is Queen of the Backhanded Compliment. So uh, yeah. hopefully we don't get any of that stuff because I would hate to be a call-out corner next week. But, yeah. you know. No, You're going to be, it's going to be great. Okay, You're great. Be, You're already doing great. Thanks. Um, Addie doesn't play video games, so you may be thinking, why? That's an odd choice for a podcast co-host. Correct. Accurate. But we're going to be doing, this special episode uh, is going to be about tabletop gaming and role-playing. Yeah. Um, Addie is an actor. I am an actor. avid tabletop gaming uh, fan. Um, we'll do our normal segments first, though. Um, what, Kai, Kai... Because you're not playing anything because you don't play video games. But you are playing tabletop games. I am playing tabletop games. So we'll get to me. We'll get you. To go you go first. Uh, what are you playing right now? Um, <laughs> I'm playing, uh, I've been reading a lot about cyberpunk. Yeah. Tabletop game, cyberpunk. Uh, 2020. B3.0. Yep. So we're going to be playing, at some point, we're going to start a game of cyberpunk 2020 to prepare for just the video game, cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. And Kai and our dear friend Charles are going to be co Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. And Hi, Charles. Hello. This is a new <laughs> segment Charles. on the show. It's called oh, Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm about it. Kai is going to be, Kai read the all 300 pages of Jesus. the Cyberpunk GM so manual. Because uh, they're from uh-huh. my That sounds like my idea of fun. Yeah. Let me tell you. I got to stop. Were you already playing. high when you did that? No. <laughs> I was oh, okay. Sober. Stone sober. And, uh. Nuts. It's bananas. Um, so that's what they've been doing. And then otherwise, they've been playing the uh, Try Not to Be in Pain game. game. I'm too high to play video games. Try. They've been playing the Try to Find Wait, the Best Position. hold on. Seven. You're too high to play video there games. They're too hard. They're too hard. Yeah. There's, huh. a, there's certain games I can play when mm-hmm. I'm really high. But there's some games, like, I can't play Mass Effect when I'm high because mm-hmm. I have to, like, focus on what's going on. I can play beat matching games. Like, nobody's I was going to say, is there, like, a specific category of games yeah. that are easier when you're high or... I can, like, hyper-focus on, like, Voez, that little beat matching game I played uh-huh. from the Switch. I can hyper-focus on that when I'm high. Um, but I can't play a lot of... And I can play Breath of the Wild because it's really, like, soothing and open and chill. Um, and I played some Crash Bandicoot the other day when I was high. And that went pretty okay. But not anything that's like technically complex. Yeah, not or, anything that's yeah, like. Okay. I mean, Breath of the Wild is a real video game, but in general, not anything that's like a real video. <laughs> Quote unquote, real video game. It's a real video game. <laughs> and uh, it's not. It's not Candy Crush Saga. It's definitely right. not Candy Crush Saga. Um, it's also not the Crash Insane trilogy, which I bought for the Switch because it just came out. Um, here's the thing. They didn't do anything different to the Crash games. They just took 
they just updated the graphics. That is mm. the absolutely only thing that they've changed, um, which is fine, but it also just reminded me that um, Crash Bandicoot isn't as fun as I remember. I'm enjoying it, but in a way, I didn't play the, I played like some of the first one and I was like, oh, that's right, this game is bad. It's painful to watch you play that game. I've been playing Crash 2, The Wrath of Cortex. Because Crash 3 is Cortex Strikes Back. Yes. I've been playing Crash 2, The Wrath of Cortex. Uh, Kai doesn't like watching me play it because it's such a Sisyphean struggle against um, <laughs> level design. You're just you're just going on the same platform over and over and over again. Yeah. I, that's a platformer. Well, that's the thing. is like Crash... <laughs> crash. Kai is about to cry. <laughs> it looks like possibly. How about platformers? You don't like it. Um, crash 2, The Wrath of Cortex is basically the same five levels in different configurations over and over again. Um, there is at least nostalgic value to it. I don't know. I'm not mad that I spent money on it and I am enjoying playing it. Ooh, what is on my arm? Don't know. Um, Fuzz. Yeah. Um, especially when, uh, I've been high. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's just kind of mindless. Um. So Kai is too high to play video games. Yep. Yep. But they read the thing. What are you playing? What? I'm playing Crash. You're playing Crash (laughs) and. I play Crash and Breath of the Wild and Voz. In the hot when I was right. in the hospital waiting for Kai to get surgery, uh, I played a lot of Boas because I was the only person on the surgery. That was weird. Tight. We were the only people on the surgery floor. Like there was nobody else on that whole fucking floor of the hospital. You stayed the whole time. Yeah, I stayed, stayed for my whole surgery. I did stay for Kai's whole surgery. It's very kind of you. Um. Oh hi, cat. There's the cat. Oh, here she is. And. Uh, I play a lot of Boas and Breath of the Wild, which is my continues to be my favorite thing about the Switch is I can just take it wherever. Mm-hmm. my needs emergency surgery. Take the Switch. Play video games. Play video games. Um, so that's what I'm playing. I last night I completed the last. I have all the shrines in Breath of the Wild now. All 100 shrines plus the Champions Ballad DLC shrines. I have every shrine, and I finished the last shrine, and Kai. I think almost cried for me. <laughs> it's very exciting. It is very exciting. I'm having a great couple days. Kai is very emotional. Hi, Tori. Don't bump the mic. Um, she's, she's just very excited. Oh, here it goes. Oh, oh, there she goes. Artfully done. Artfully Actually, done. Even... No, there we go. Yeah, she's sort she of li- she sort of limboed so underneath, cute. like between the pop screen and the mic. It was very. Oh, oh. there she goes oh, here again. Here we go. Back again. Acrobatics. There she goes with again. Tori. What a good co-host as usual um that's what i'm playing addy what are you playing right now so as you mentioned i don't really play video games um much at all i have played a video game in the past uh i got very excited when you talked about uh lovers in a dangerous space time because i have played a fair bit of that with some friends who own a switch we do not own a switch in my household um and as a kid, I played a lot of Sims, and I have played through both Portal games, which were very fun. Uh-huh. Um, and I've watched a fair bit of other people play video games. Totally. My roommate was playing some Monster Hunter World yesterday, and I watched very that for game. a while, which was very fun. And I gotta get... I probably got a PlayStation. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, so I don't really play video games myself much anymore. Portal was a while ago. Um, but I play quite a fair bit of tabletop games. Um, I'm currently engaged in two different D&D campaigns uh-huh. um, and potentially a third if we ever decide to resurrect the one that the four of us in this room yes. currently Oops. were playing once upon a time. Yes. But, you know, that's fine. Um, so I'm, I'm like super very much into D&D at the moment. It's very fun. Um, we mostly play 5e, but 
one of the campaigns which you all are also playing in uh-huh. we sort of have revamped the rules of D to fit for a space mm-hmm. setting yeah, we're playing. and like simplified some things and expanded on some other things and it's very much um not just playing the rules that exist for D, but us creating a new version of D mm-hmm. altogether which is really fun um otherwise i play like like board games tabletop mm-hmm. games last night we played uh I think it's called Betrayal at House, House on, on the, the Hill. Hill. Oh, I love that game. It's very, very fun. It takes game. a little bit to sort of understand how to play if nobody has played before. But once you all know how to play, you can knock out a game in like yeah. 90 minutes it's easily. It's very, very fun. It's very, very fun. Um, essentially, in that game, you are a group of adventurers in a house and you explore the house and spooky, spooky, yuki stuff happens. Uh-huh. Very spooky. Until spooky. at some point the haunt is revealed and then one of you usually becomes the traitor and so either you turn into a monster or you help the monsters and it's traitor versus heroes mm-hmm. and you try to escape the house or kill people or whatever yeah. and there's like specific win conditions for exactly configuration so every time you play is super different mm-hmm. um but there's, that's very fun yeah that's very fun there's a polygon video because polygon does this thing i forget what they call it but where they um play tabletop games mm-hmm. and board games um and they there is a betrayal on the house on the hill yeah uh uh, polygon game sorry it's very fun no no it's she's very distracting and very cute oh good girl um (laughs) she um, her dad is out of town so i've been feeding her oh which means she comes into my room she does this thing when she's trying to get you out of bed where she instead of just yelling she'll go because she knows that you can sleep through that or that she just yells all the time and she is the cat who cried yell um cat who cried breakfast (laughs) cat who cried breakfast (laughs) But she will, she'll go and find papers and books that are laying on your floor and just start to like shred them. Nice. Because she knows that sound will get you out of bed. Or mm-hmm. if you don't care, then she'll get on your bed Ooh. and walk all over you and then give up and lay down. Mm-hmm. And then when you get up, she'll just shout at you until you feed her. Right. Hey, why didn't what, you wake up sooner? Yeah, hey, hey. Just give me her bratty little squawks. Um, she's great. <laughs> this is a segment on the podcast. Where we talk about the cat. It's <laughs> called, hey, my cat's really great. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> Um, I mean, agreed. She's a very good cat. She's extremely good. So, excuse me. Great, Classic great audio. audio from Hannah. <laughs> um, hey, Kai. Hey. Hey, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? The gayest thing that I have done this week is... Pro- pro- oh, I watched the uh, Nanette special. Oh, yeah, Hannah, you, watched, like, you watched like half of it. No, I watched the whole thing. Oh, okay. I finished it. Um... I was going to wait to finish it with you, but then I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to see the whole thing. So. Yeah, you have to see the whole thing. It was really it was really beautiful. Um, it was basically like uh, your whole aesthetic because it was this really interesting like meta-theatrical piece where she took this construct of what we classically understand to be a stand-up routine, and then she just like turned it on its head and did a totally different thing with it that was uh, incredibly passionate and incredibly meaningful and very vulnerable and honest. And I cried at that, and mm-hmm. that I think was probably the gayest thing that I have participated in this week. It's very good. Otherwise, very good. the gayest thing that I've done this week was uh, hang out in the kiddie pool. Yeah, mm. the kiddie pool was pretty good. Um, Addie, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? Um, mm, probably spend an entire hour in the Lush store at the Cherry Creek Mall. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I went to have lunch with my mom and then she had to run an errand and she was like, yeah, I have to go to the Cherry Creek Mall, which instantly repulsed me. But then she said that we were going to Lush and so I decided to go with her and she ended up spending 
probably more money than she should on mostly things for her and also things for me because yeah. Aileen is the best. Aileen is the best. Shout out um, to Addie's mom. She rules. She won't listen to this podcast because she doesn't listen to podcasts, but, no, but shout out to her anyway because she's great. Yeah. Yesterday um, I handed her at the show, I handed her, I was like, you want to visit this card for my podcast? She was like, I know about your podcast. I was like, it's a sticker, Aileen, take it. Yeah. She, bless her heart, does not listen to podcasts, which is fine. I get it. Podcasts are not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. But uh, yeah, spending an entire hour in a Lush store. I got a lovely hand massage from one of the employees there. Love the Lush um, massage. They do. Yeah. If if you sort of like act like you're going to buy more stuff than you are going to yeah. buy, they will like try to coerce you into buying, really nicely coerce you into buying like more yeah. hand cream and stuff Products. that you want to buy because it's great, but like also it's kind of expensive. Yeah. That's you know? how I discovered Helping Hands for the first time though, mm-hmm. which is oh. the best lotion in the world. Um, but as such, I walked in this morning and Aaron said something along the lines of, it smells like a crystal shop in yeah, here. Yeah, it was like I'm, the house smells amazing. Because I'm currently wearing uh, new body lotion and new all natural vegan deodorant. Hell so yeah, awesome. uh, yeah, that's that's the gayest thing I did this week. Yeah, that's pretty gay. Um, the gayest thing I've done this week, uh, what has even happened this week? On last week, some so on Thursday before Kai had to go to the hospital, it was the hottest day on record in Denver, Colorado. Yep. It was, it hit 105 degrees, which is the hottest it has ever Too been. Too much hot. In this city. And uh, we bought, we decided to cope with the heat at our house by going and buying this big inflatable pool. It's like seven feet wide. Seven by seven. Seven by seven. Um, well, it's, it's like a, it's not really a circle. So it's like not, whatever. And um, filling it with hose water and just sitting in it and like drinking beer and LaCroix and having snacks. It was a wonderful day until Kai had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wistful. <laughs> Back in those days, before Kai had their appendix removed. Um, so that was pretty gay. And then I've been uh, taking care of Kai. Mm-hmm. Which is very gay. It is very gay. And also organizing the whole queer fam to come help me take care of Kai. That, I was going to I was gonna mention that. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty gay. Uh it's like finding babysitters for when I'm at work. Oh, <laughs> for poor baby Kai. Um, that's the biggest thing I've done this week. Sweet. <laughs> You're an adult, I know. Um, but sometimes even adults need babysitting. Yeah. Sometimes you look have to. Look at me. <laughs> look at look at Aaron. Constantly needs babysitting <laughs> every moment of the day. <laughs> um. Okay. So I didn't. As usual, I don't think about anything before. I just have Tight. an idea for the episode Great. and it sort of happens. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, like, table... So, okay. <laughs> um, Good start. Thank you. <laughs> Tabletop games as storytelling, I do mm-hmm. want to talk about and, yeah. and how that sort of relates to, like, just games in general as storytelling. Um and also how, like, that relates to, like, role-playing in tabletop games, like, relates to queerness and mm-hmm. how uh, that all sort of interacts with itself and with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about any of that? I mean, yes. I have- <laughs> <laughs> yes, let me, let me talk circles around this very nebulous topic that you've yes. laid out for me. Well, let's start, <laughs> let's start with uh, how... <laughs> Here's a really defined question. Let me give you a really defined answer. Great. Um, let's start with like, so we've we've talked before on the podcast about like games as storytelling and how yeah. they're a sort of uniquely empathetic mm-hmm. mode of storytelling. 
Um, and I, let's start with how that applies. Because tabletop gaming is obviously more like literalized in yeah. a lot of ways. Because you, it's not, it depends on the game. Right. But oftentimes there's not a predefined character that you're playing. Yes. You have to invent a character. Totally. So a quick caveat that most of my discussion of this is going to be center, centered around D&D. Because sure. that's sort of the most potent form of RPG tabletop gaming that I engage in Um, and then also for some context I as Hannah mentioned I'm an actor and have been doing theater stuff for a long time and so a lot of my context around why I enjoy RPGs comes from the fact that I enjoy performing as well and so what I find really exciting about specifically collaborative storytelling which I think I feel like in the best cases, D&D absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting for me, like you said, to be able to sort of create a character from essentially nothing. I mean, you have these rules and these sort of like guidelines of character types and like skills and how magic works, etc. in the rules of D&D in, the, in that universe. But everything else from where you come from to what, you know, gods you follow, believe in, etc., Um, even to like what type of combat you prefer is totally customizable and so that is appealing to me from a from a sort of like ownership perspective Mm -hmm. that the things that I am playing are direct representations of some facet of my creative life and so it could be something that's very similar to myself or it could be something totally different from myself Um, so that's very appealing to me I sort of have gotten into a groove of creating new characters pretty frequently even if I'm not going to play them regularly um my roommates and I went on a very brief excursion (laughs) to to Albuquerque New Mexico which was like you know pros and cons but the best pro was that we played a one-shot D&D for which we all created brand new characters and so I got to play a death domain cleric which is like not a character that I would normally play because I tend not to go for cleric types Mm -hmm. um but it was like super fun to play that for a one shot and to build characters at higher levels and get to experiment with all different facets of these very extensive rules that like nobody in their right mind could possibly have memorized in any sense of the world I mean okay some (laughs) people do Kai but (laughs) they don't have memorized right right making fun of how they read the whole player's handbook it's very sudden it's yep (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, and I'm by brain. Yeah. This is by brand is being bad at talking on the podcast that I have. Um, You're doing great. Thanks, bud. I, I have a question for you, Addy. Yeah. Kai has a question. Thank God. Kai has a question. Yeah. I can hear Kai with my real ears, but not my okay. microphone. Okay. I'll leave this to the mic. Um, Addie, how do you feel that, like, your background as a performer factors into the way that you play role-playing games? Because I feel like, uh, the way that I've seen all of us play, like, these role-playing games is very integrated into our history as performers. Mm. And I feel like the, um, performance of these roles, especially in high fantasy, which is traditionally what D&D is played mm-hmm. in as the setting is like a very uh queer and exploratory space so i'm just curious totally. how your history like exploring all of that ties into your present yeah i mean from a sort of performance standpoint um i went to school for theater and so i have a sort of you know academic education in that 
realm. <laughs> I know you know this because we went to school and together and I for all theater. Went to the same theater department. <laughs> and Aaron, actually, all, we all went all to of the us. same theater department. Huzzah! Uh, we don't need to talk anymore about that. Nope. Um, so, f- for me, in like in acting and in directing and making theater, you know, exploring and specifying character is a huge part of building any sort of performance and. I think often when people talk about bad acting, what they're really talking about is non-specific acting. And so for me, that's really important when it comes to role playing with something like D&D, where you have to be really specific about exactly all of the things that your character can do and mm-hmm. knows and has equipped and all of those things. So it's a little more of a like tangible specificity. Yeah. But it still comes from this place of if I really want to like be in a narrative where I'm telling a story collaboratively with these other people and characters, I need to know or have some idea, some sense of how my character would behave in various situations. And so like, for example, in my main campaign that I'm playing currently, I play a druid and her charisma score is very low, mm-hmm. which is fun, I think, to have some scores that are very low. Yeah, and like totally. me as a human would tend to gravitate toward like bards or sorcerers who are more charisma based right. characters because I think that like playing with persuasion and deception and those skills are very fun in gameplay. But sort of as a challenge to myself and also like because that's how my numbers rolled and because I wanted to beef up my stats that made sense for my character, I decided to put this really low stat in something that typically I would not mess around with and so playing with her as somebody who's bad at talking to people and isn't persuasive and is bad at lying and like would prefer to be around animals and plants and in the woods by herself than like on an adventuring team has been something that's really fun and different for me and so it yeah go ahead Oh, I was going to say, that's in many ways, that's playing like very opposite how you are as a person. Right. Because you're a Leo. You're very charismatic. Thank you. Um, I mean, I mean, I know. Thank you. It's Liz. But you're very like, I feel like you as a person are very like talking based and very community based Mm -hmm. and very like, I need to be around people and I need to like, how do we talk through this problem? Totally. Um, And how do I, yeah, not like in a manipulative sense, but like more in like a, how do I talk and talk to all the people and move all the parts in this community aspect um so that's interesting in terms of it's it speaks to that power of games not only to empathize with characters like yourself Mm -hmm. but to play a character that's very different from you and to sort of it's it's interesting because in tabletop gaming obviously there's a little more like you are inventing that Mm -hmm. story so it's a little less inhabiting like a character that somebody else has already built right which is how video gaming is um in a lot of a lot of times not Mm -hmm. always um because that's what i like a lot about choice based games Mm -hmm. is they're a little more similar to that in that there is a structure for like in dragon age you're playing the warden you're playing the inquisitor and you have this plot but Mm -hmm. you get to choose like the way that you play and you get to choose like what your character looks like Mm -hmm. um but in tabletop gaming, it's it gives you the ability, I don't know, in some ways, if you're smart um, and a generally <laughs> empathetic human, okay, all right. um, more, I mean more like emotional intelligence, I guess, right. like if you're empathetic and emo- emotionally intelligent and aware, it gives you the opportunity to have to think almost more so about a character that's different from you or a person or a type of person that's different from you in order to tell that story well or like Mm -hmm. do research in order to tell that story well or whatever it is like there's this 
thought that uh, some bad writers have that like you can only write about what you've literally experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I personally think, I fall in the camp of you can write about anything or you can tell any story mm-hmm. as long as you are doing the research to tell it well and not speaking to the aspects of the story that don't, like, that you can't possibly understand. Yeah. Um, like, I can write a character of color, but I, like, can't make the story about that person's experience as a person of color mm-hmm. because I don't have that experience, like, and I don't feel like I have the sort of right or space to speak to that. I don't know. It's, like, it's that fine line. Um, but, and do you have a thought, Kai? I have a question. I have another question for Ash. I feel like I didn't really answer your question. Can I so can I add one more thing before yes. you ask another question because yeah. I am aware that I did not really answer your question. I also in my like professional life am an actor and teaching artist and so I spend a lot of time around creative type people and with other actors and with other creators. And so what what feels good I think for me about playing RPGs like D&D is that it gives me a creative space to express but also to consume. Right. And so it's not this pressure to like, I know that sounds really bad. Consume. I'm not going <laughs> to eat you. I'm going to eat your creativity that you ex- export. Cool. Um, I know it's great. Uh, I'm a pretty scary person. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a scary person. <laughs> no, you're intimidating. I Am I? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most um, Leo thing you've done? <laughs> Thanked someone for telling me I was intimidating. (laughs) Yes. Um, So where in a lot of my professional life, I'm surrounded by, yes, creative exploration and yes, you know, learning craft. I'm also surrounded by a lot of stuff that is that is goal oriented and sort of product focused. And so, you know, in teaching summer camp with kids, we're focused on the performance that's at the end of the week for their parents. And like, yes. We're talking about, you know, creative exploration and doing arts and crafts and learning the, the craft of acting and sort of what it means to be in the theater in any sort of sense. But we're also focused on, OK, but at the end of the week, we're going to perform scenes from The Tempest for your parents. Right. So it's very different from that, because when we're creating a collaborative story together as characters and as improvisers, there's no sense of like, what is the end goal mm-hmm. of this story? The only person who might have some sense of it is perhaps the DM. But even in that case, I think in the best campaigns, your DM sort of has a rough outline of like, mm-hmm. here are the beats of the story that I want to hit. Here's the like big picture arc. But everything inside of that is is collaboratively created. Mm-hmm. And that's very different from how my normal life is, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that makes total sense because it's also, it's... Um... Like, yeah, it, it allows for an interesting experience of storytelling because in, in like, rehearsing a play, like, mm-hmm. you all know, you've all read the play. Right. Um, you can do, like, devised pieces and so forth, but, like, the di- it's not that only the director knows what the objective of the play totally. is. There are directors who try to direct like that, and they're huge pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> but it, in, like... There is the the capability for the DM to sort of have this goal that like you as the players get to like reveal, mm-hmm. but also for that goal to change. The goal is sort of malleable yeah. to how. And the, I mean, the best example of all of this, I think, is the Adventure Zone, which is just an incredibly told mm-hmm. story, partially 
like I love the idea of there's this concept in in poetics called ulipo and it's the school of poetry and poetics which is working within constraints um it like came out of France and so mm, forth mm-hmm. um but it's it's basically like you put this sort of hardline constraint on yourself and that art like better art or different art or just it's the sort of philosophy of it is that better art comes out of that yeah so in uh Like, the Adventure Zone is a great example of taking this constraint, which is we are working, I mean, fucking with the rules, but, like, we are working within D&D, and then from that, like, that story wouldn't have been able to exist, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite, the balance arc of the Adventure Zone is, like, one of my favorite stories I've ever experienced. Which is, admittedly, what got me really excited about D&D, and that I'd been sort of interested in it tangentially for a long time, but had never really played, Mm -hmm. um... So agreed that the balance arc is really what sort of fueled my, I would like to actually play this game. Right, totally. Because <laughs> um, it, it got me so excited about the that possibility of storytelling yeah. and like how do I tell this story? And it's hard. Like it's hard to uh, just create something from nothing. Um, well, and that's the next thing I was going to say is that it fuels my improv itch also. Uh-huh, totally. That like I am not a person who does improv much in my professional life. Um I, f- I feel scared about improv and I feel like I'm bad at it. And uh, that's, you know, something I would like to be better at and do more of. But it, it sort of, for me, fuels that that itch of, well, not fuels, it scratches that itch of I want to create something from nothing and I want right. to cr- create something that's improvised in more of a, what for me is like a safe place to experiment with Mm -hmm. friends who are also doing the same thing with a very specific set of rules and guidelines and here's how the game works and et cetera, et cetera. So that the improv really comes in the character moments and the, how does this character that you've created respond to certain stimuli? Um, So yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes you like respond in real time in the way that Mm -hmm. I think the best video games do like the first time you play a really good game and have to, you like think, you know what it's about or whatever. Like, I'm very excited to see how they translate Cyberpunk 2020 into Cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. and how much it is going to be a first-person shooter. We know that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But how much of that sort of, I don't know, like, like, obviously there's going to be, like, a built world. I'm just excited to see how that pans out Mm -hmm. in that way. Do you have another question, Kai? I did, yeah. Give me me that mic. Okay. (laughs) Uh, it's yours. Addie, this is something that I had experience with when I was, like, a much younger person, when I was much less, like, aware of who I was in this world and what that meant to me. Um, and please stop me and tell Aaron to cut this out if you don't feel comfortable answering this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But you very recently came out as queer. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, yeah. And I'm curious if that experience at all connected to this exploratory space of, like, trying on characters that don't feel like you or trying on new personas or like performance in that aspect because uh growing up I played a lot with queer identity and games like this yeah and like role-playing games like that I I mean probably definitely yes I don't I don't have a good like clear answer for this and I think just to touch on something that you just mentioned is that part of the reason I like queer as an identifier is that I feel like I'm constantly exploring what it means to be me and what my identity is. And so I feel hesitant to like put a very specific label on myself, especially in a time where I am exploring what that means. And so for queer is exciting to me because it's, it's can encompass so many different things and it 
in fact, for me, is very exciting that it can encompass exploration itself mm-hmm. as a facet of identity. Totally. And so probably, yes, it has something to do with <laughs> the fact that I enjoy uh, like RPGs and and you know trying on characteristics and characters as a part of who I am I don't know that I would say it directly fueled me identifying as queer but I'm sure I am certain that it's related that it it sort of provided space for me to it sort of like in real time explore different humans yeah as me that makes sense yeah and that's something I mean We've talked a little bit before about how, like, games are such a powerful thing for queer folks and Mm -hmm. how I know a lot of the folks that I know that are really into video games are queer and vice versa. Yeah. Um, And or tabletop gaming. Like, a lot of the folks that I know are really into tabletop gaming are are queer. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of queer folks I know are into tabletop gaming. Um, And I think that's partially because of that, like malleability of identity and that like ability to i think in general what the difference between like assimilationist like homonormative gays and like queer folks there's a lot of differences um but one of the differences is that queer people who identify as queer tend to be more exploratory Mm -hmm. like you were saying and i don't i want to speak to like other people's identity this has just been my experience in, in folks i've talked to and folks i know that Queer to me also encompasses like exploration and like there are if if you know if I'm talking to other queer folks I can like break it down into like gender fluid asexual pansexual mm-hmm. blah 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 right. like all the like more specific identifiers but because those things are always shifting and flowing like that queer identifier queer to me implies like a curiosity mm-hmm. um, yes and Cape uh, uh, Bornstein has this idea that like how we fix the world is through like radical compassion and radical curiosity. Yeah, awesome. Um, and this idea that uh, always being curious rather than judgmental mm-hmm. and like you know a bad game of D and D or a bad game of whatever tabletop game right. would be somebody presents an idea and consistently just going, "No, it's a stupid idea. That character can't exist." Right. Like obviously you have. There's things that depending on how your DM is running the game, like you have to you know, be within the world. Like, if you're mm-hmm. in a very hard line, like, old, ye old times, high fantasy right. campaign, and somebody's like, I have a fucking gun, then you can be like, no, you don't have a gun, because right. guns don't exist in this world. Right, that doesn't, it's um, not a thing you can right. do. <laughs> but in, like, balance, there, Griffin was like, fuck it, there's elevators right. in this world. Which um, I think is something that I'm really appreciating about the campaigns that I'm currently playing in, is that our, our Charles is our DM. Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. Charles... <laughs> Has, has so far done a really good job of helping us cultivate space where we can shape the world that we're in. And so instead of presenting just here is the world, figure it out for yourself and like play within the rules that I've created, it's it's very much a great, we tried that thing and it like didn't work so well. So let's like adjust this so that the world we are building together better fits the like objectives that we all have for our characters. And I, so that is also something that I really love about playing an RPG is that you can totally play a pre-written campaign and you can totally play by like all the hard and fast rules, which is fun. Like playing with technical rules and a bunch of specifications in that way is also really fun. But I think for me personally, what, where my like D and D priorities lie is in the let's create a world that we feel really fun about playing in. Right. Totally. Um, and I think that relates back to what you're saying about, uh, 
queer community and culture and sort of exploring and being curious about what is possible rather than simply playing within the rules that have already been nailed down. Right. Um, sorry, I got distracted. I thought I, I had a beautiful moment where I thought Kai was getting up to poop. They're not. They're just getting Aww. more medication. Um, it's okay. Medication's good also. Medication is great. Um, and it, it, to me too, like the idea, I've always loved the idea of like the ragtag team of adventurers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then later as a queer adult, I realized that part of that is this, this need for and love of like queer family and yeah. queer community and this notion of queer family that like not all, but a lot of queer folks are not accepted by our blood quote unquote blood families mm-hmm. which like you don't have to like people just because they're related to you like fuck blood families some blood families tight. except not mine because your mine's blood family great. rules <laughs> um your blood family is is everyone's real blood family yeah. um but also just that because even the members of the community who like have supportive blood families like we all, because of the world that we live in, have to work together to uplift and support each other mm-hmm. and to build these little pockets of community and safe space. And that, like, putting together an adventuring team, mm-hmm. if it's, depending on how you play the campaign, like, the way I would like to play it is, like, we're forming a ragtag team that becomes this sort of queer family. Yeah. Um, and that's very, like, one of my favorite shows is Sense8, which is a very <laughs> good show and you should watch it. Um, I'm a big fan of, like, Wachowski Camp. Um, and it's a, sh- but it's a show by and for queer people that's all about, like, this disparate group of people who are all bound together by this thing, mm-hmm. um, regardless of their differences, and, like, learn to uplift and support each other and, like, play on one another's strengths. It's, like, this very literalized metaphor in the show for queer family. Yeah. Um, and I think that is how a good adventuring, like, a good adventuring party is a queer family in that way. It's yeah. like, ooh. Um, well, and like as a human in my real life, that has absolutely been my experience mm-hmm. as well. That while I have a great supportive, you know, blood family, I also have this great community of found family. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whether or not queer is your identifier, I think that finding people that are not actually related to you that are your family and that support you unconditionally and love you is something that like any person can relate to mm-hmm, totally regardless of your other identifiers totally yeah I think it's particularly potent and particularly powerful for queer people absolutely um again just based on the the way that the world treats us no totally um, and that's like you, there there can be straight members in your queer family like Aaron oh, and Charles hi Charles um, this is the shout out to Charles episode yeah I love Charles this we could just call this episode hi Charles yeah, that's, it. that's the title no <laughs> he'll be so excited I know he'll love he'll it like is it me it's me it who else me. who else would it be who Charles else? how many other Charleses do I know hey, you idiot <laughs> hey stupid idiot no you're um, not a stupid idiot we like you very idiot. much we love you Charles um and but that is so potent particularly for queer folks and that I don't know like playing d and I, I we talked before about like fantasy as escapism mm-hmm. too for like being a queer person who lives in this just hellscape of a world um <laughs> and that D&D sort of combines both of those things. Because mm-hmm. not only do you get to, like, build an adventuring party, because I get some of that fulfillment from just, like, playing RPGs. Mm-hmm. Like, I love all my dear, beautiful children in Dragon Age, yeah. um, except for, like, Ogren, who sucks. Um, who else do I not like? I, Cole, oh, I don't care like about. Cole. I don't not or not. I just don't have any opinions about Cole. Yeah. I know who those character. people are that you're talking about. Andrew. Anders, yeah, not a big fan. I just don't like Dragon Age 2, except for Isabella. I love 
all the other games, I love all my children except one. And a Dragon Age 2, I pretty much like one of my children. Um, anyway, but I get some of that fulfillment out of that. But I also, or like Mass Effect, where all, pretty much all my children are perfect except the boring guy tank in every game. Um, hey, tanks are not always boring. No, but they are in Mass Effect. Each yeah, okay, Mass Effect that's game fair. is a boring dude who's supposed to be like your canon romance of your femchip, and he's just a boring tank. Um, yeah, and uh, so I get a lot of that fulfillment out of that. But then D and D, if you're playing it with your queer family or your, mm-hmm. you know, your found family. Which I always call queer family, because um, I think that is a very queer thing, even if all the members involved aren't queer. Yeah. Um, that it is literal, too, that you get to spend this actual community time with somebody, even if it's not face-to-face, like even if it's over, you know, FaceTime or Skype or whatever, um, that you, it's it's like double safety and escapism to a degree, because you get to literally be with your community and then playing this game where you get to have this, like, fantasy or sci-fi version of your community in this where you all have superpowers and shit right well and it's not just character creation and living as the character that you're building and making choices as that character that you're playing through as in many video games but it's the like we talked about earlier the world creation too Mm -hmm. which is i think for me what is unique to rpgs like tabletop rpgs rather than video game video games Mm -hmm is this aspect of, yes, character creation, and yes, living as this this different person, or sometimes animal. Would, and yeah. whatever, we can get into that, or not. Uh, this other being in this, this universe, but then it's also the world creation that you participate in as well. Totally. Which some exist, some in video games, which obviously I'm not really a gamer, so I don't know all the things that you oh, can do in all video games. But that, I think, is what's exciting to me also, is not just the character creation, but the world building, and totally. that you can shape the universe within reason to suit pretty much any needs that you have or totally. desires you have. No, to- I just want to re-talk about that like, from, a, from a DM's perspective a mm-hmm. little bit, because something that's very common in D&D and in, like, tabletop gaming in general is the the notion of a boys club like a very heteronormative cisnormative boys club and this is the way that the game has to be mm-hmm. and i've previously like seen a lot of people's experiences with with dms not responding well to queerness in yeah. the characters or like not creating queerness in the world but i've also started to see this new like uprising um of dms creating these worlds that are like full of queer characters and mm-hmm. a safe place because if you can't like that really resonates with me what you're talking about with world building because you can't see that in the world around Mm -hmm. you or if it's kind of like not protected in the world around you then you can create that in the escapist fantasy kind of thing like it really means a lot to me that uh D allows for a place for like us to make this world that's like safe for queer people because Mm -hmm. so often we see you know, even in Dragon Age, mm-hmm. it's not a super safe world to be to be queer in, and that doesn't have to be the yeah. case. Well, it depends on what, what like, into Winter, it's not safe to be queer yeah, no, at all. True. It depends on, like, where. In Orlais, it's kind of whatever, and in Ferelden, it's whatever. It's just and like in, that doesn't have to be the case. Right, it doesn't have, right, exactly. World. In Ravain, I think everybody's gay. Yeah. Um, and very powerful. Um, <laughs> very and powerful. Pirates. Listen, pirates are gay. Pirates are gay. Um, just see Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, game of my heart. Um, 
<laughs> but it, it is this aspect of like this ability in games. I think allow you to do this often in general. This ability to like live in queer utopia. But because games are often made by like cishet white guys, mm-hmm. um, it's often their their world that you're playing in. Yeah, um, their yeah their fantasy. Whereas something like doing tabletop gaming right um allows you to co-build which is how queer utopia will actually function is like Mm -hmm. we co-build this world together yeah um and we we make the world that we want to live in we also are creating an entire well i say we but really charles is creating an entirely original campaign and so he's borrowing elements from other places and you know borrowing names and and story pieces but the way that he is putting them together is not just out of a pre-designed campaign book which again I'm not trying to bash on those I think they're very fun no they're great but in for my personal desires in in D&D I sort of crave that original character narrative driven content creation Mm -hmm. that is collaborative but also is is original totally and it out it um it's I lost my train of thought why am I like this today it's because I haven't eaten um, and you had your one rich people banana that you stole. Oh, um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had two muffins. Um, that counts as, well, not really. We have a new eating, eating rule. Yeah, we got to eat before the show. Before the show. <laughs> I normally do. It's just been, a, it's been a couple of days. Hannah's just been taking too much yeah. care of me. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I love you. Um, <laughs> listen. What? <laughs> I don't know. Wait. I'm sorry. You care deeply about this human that you cohabitate with? Yeah. Um, yeah. Aw. That was a nice moment. Jeez. Are we all going to cry again? I almost had an emotion. Um, an emotion. One emotion per day. One That's emotion. the rule. You I'm hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. Aquarius. Um, but yeah, that it, it allows you to build this world. And that is a fundamentally, like what you were saying, that like pastiche, I think that like pastiche style of story, storytelling um, Tori telling isn't what I almost Tori said. Telling. Oh, she'd be such a good DM. Not incorrect, but um, also not what we were talking about. <laughs> this this style of storytelling is sort of fundamentally queer because it's not based on a sort of like generally accepted like canonical mode of right. world building and storytelling. It's it's co- collaborative storytelling and collaborative world building and collaborative collaboration is gay. Collaborating. Um, 20 collaborating. Listen. Listen. <laughs> collaboration is gay. Yes. Um, 20 collaborating. Stronger together. And 20 gay teen. Come out, come home. Yes. Um, both of which have been coming true. Yes. In in swarms and droves. In, in, in droves and swarms. <laughs> and swarms and droves. Droves and swarms. To droves and swarms of bees. Um, <laughs> oh. <In> my eyes! <laughs> that. That. Yeah, that like that collaborative mode of storytelling because that's not really how like capitalism wants us to build our world or our stories at all. Mm-hmm. Like they want we live in this very like individualistic um, like way of being and this mm-hmm. very individual focus. And I think there's a time and a place, and I do think you always have to take care of yourself first. It's mm-hmm. like you got to put on your own oxygen mask or whatever. But uh, the world, the the government, the government, man. But seriously, the government <laughs> and this capitalistic society doesn't want us to work together to build this stronger, better world because that threatens that structure. Mm -hmm. Like it capitalism privileges like individual achievement above all else and like individual wealth and individual growth, not even growth because it doesn't, it doesn't prize growth. Um, (laughs) It, but having this like in a, in a 
D&D campaign, like, you can have your own gold or whatever, but the mm-hmm. way we tend to play it is, like, we sort of share resources. Cause you sort of have to to succeed. Right. You have to share information. You have to share resources. Well, and you can play campaigns that are very, like, I'm out for myself and nobody else. And, you know, I've I've heard tale of, of campaigns that are very fun until, like, the very end when characters revolt against their team and then there's yeah. a bloodbath, which also in itself can be it's, really yeah, fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So the way that I tend to play is very much what you're describing, mm-hmm. where we, you know leave space for each other to make choices and, you know, assist in narrative moments that maybe don't feature your character, but still feature your companions right. and help develop the world that you're building together, all of those things. And it allows space. The, the structure of the game allows so much space for that to Right. It's, and it, again, totally depends on how you and your DM structure your game. But that absolutely has been my experience so far. And like, I'm pretty jazzed on that. Like yeah, that's a totally. good that's a good way well, to play those games. In a literal sense like in a battle like you have to work together to win. Right. Um because if one person just decides to charge in like that doesn't usually like you have to have healers and you have to have right. like I mean you don't but like an ideal team has all these aspects and everybody has their like own individual strengths. There's no like best right. character. And that's, again, a very, like, queer way of building a team in a storytelling mode that, like, everybody has their strengths and all of their strengths contribute to the whole. Yeah. Um, I I feel like also, and, and I don't know a ton about the, like, history and conception of D&D. I know a bit about it enough to sort of <laughs> make it make sense in my brain. But the, the whole concept of D&D as a game, as an activity that people do together, has not been in the sort of main eye of the cultural zeitgeist mo- for most of its existence oh, it's totally, sort of a yeah, yeah. sort of an underground ca- dare like, i say counterculture yeah like thing right it. it's a thing that nerds do and it's not a thing that like regular people do yeah. and so to me even the conception of something like D that like oh that's for nerds sort of can parallel a lot of the elements of queer oh, totally, community yeah. and identity as well yeah. so that like even just playing D, not the content of the game itself but the act of playing mm-hmm. it and like the cultural sort of is stigma right is sort of counterculture and yeah, so like that appeals to me as a nerd yes but also as a queer person yes um no that that's a good point i hadn't really thought about that that like now we're living in this sort of like renaissance of like renaissance. nerds are cool and right. there's so much obviously like gatekeeping among like shitty neckbeard totally great art nerds <laughs> totally um but they literally accuse people who played the indie of the same stuff that they accused queer people of oh yeah totally there was a lot of the, of the satanic panic a yeah. lot of that was focused on Dungeons and dragons yeah, as well um, as queer and, trans and queer and trans folks um so I don't know if they if people the recording could hear you, Kai. So I'm just repeating what you said. Please do. Um, but that like D and D when it was coming out in the 80s was associated with that satanic panic, mm-hmm. um, and this notion that like magic and wizards and the devil and blah 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 and like had right. the whole satanic panic with like heavy metal music, mm-hmm. um, and all these fucking white moms up in arms and shit, um, and that was also very much focused on queer and trans folks. Um, because we do cavort with the devil. In fairness, right. we do cavort with the devil. Right, accurate. Um, I personally cavort with the devil. <laughs> I can't speak to all queer folks, but we're a very Satan-positive household. Um, let's Amazing. Let's alienate some of our listener. Well, I don't know if we're alienating any of our listener base. I don't know if any, like, Christians listen to us. Maybe they Probably do. Some. You're welcome to be Christian and be queer. You're welcome to be Christian and be queer. Yeah, no, I'm not shitting on, I'm not shitting on queer Christians. Queer Christians rule, like... Anybody queer who is not an asshole rules. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So I'm not shitting on queer Christians. Hey, at listen, all. don't be an asshole. Hey, listen, listen. We have a history of being associated with. We have a history of being associated with the devil and stuff, and I think that is translated. This is a topic for another time, but I think that is translated into a lot of queer folks being like witches and pagans and satanists mm-hmm. and so forth because we we not obviously That's not anti futurity. It's anti. It's yeah. It's anti futurity in the death drive, which is a topic for another time. Okay. But because uh, that's a whole thing, Lee Edelman's No Future is a book that is worth being read. It's a little. He's a little full of himself. Read Jose Esteban Munez. Yeah, read Jose Esteban Munez. Um, but it's it's this notion that like if you're gonna other us, then we're gonna see what. Like, for me, it's like, if you're going to put us in the dark, then we're going to find the gods of the dark. Yeah. Like, mm. if you're going to put us in the shadows, then, like, we're going to find fucking Hecate, who is the mother of outcasts, and raise her up as our witch god. Also, yeah. most of those, like, like Satan and, like, Hecate and all the fucking dark gods, they just want you to fucking party. Yeah, dude. they just want you to be chill. They just have a good time. They just want you to chill, chill the fuck out for, like, a second. Yeah. I, think, I find that, like, most of, like, the thing that makes it, like... Hi, um, Aaron's here. I'm here. Uh, I've in in my experiences with like that kind of like dark, like what is considered dark or pagan um, religions or, or viewpoints, mostly focus on being kind to people mm-hmm. while you're here on Earth, mm-hmm. and focus a lot less on what happens after. Whereas, I th- and I think that that is actually something that. Um, was never very useful for the church to be into, and that that's part of why um, you have that um, that schism. And yeah. I think that may also be what attracts like queer people to it. Is that it's about being kind now. It's not. It's about um, treating people, you know, with kindness and charity and being chill and having a good time, which is all great on Earth. And then Christianity is more. Focus. A lot of world religions are more focused on Whatever. getting yeah. something yeah. afterward. Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of individuals who practice other religions besides paganism. Yeah, there's a. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna repeat what Kai said. Um, that there's a lot. There's uh, a lot of like Christians and Jewish. Wait, people. Wait, you see, we like, still can't hear you. There's <laughs> still a lot of like, talking. There's to the a microphone. lot of like Christians and Jewish people and Muslim people who are practicing like being yeah totally it's on an individual basis we're talking about like the the hegemony and like aaron's experience being raised christian but like the hegemony of religious doctrine and Mm -hmm. like the church with a capital c often tends to focus on like catholicism there was this whole notion of like tithing like you pay money to the church so you get into heaven better if you die that's a huge thing nowadays um and so that's that's what we're talking about like on an individual basis Mm -hmm. like i know a fucking super rad priest lady who does like clerical anti-racism work and like mm-hmm. works in hospitals and like with queer kids oh, and people I, with I mental illness? Like... No, I know, I know you weren't. I'm just saying for our because li- we all know each other. I'm just saying for our listeners. Yeah, I just wanted to. Offer uh, that. Yeah, but I, I think the thing that a lot of draws a lot of queer folks to sort of mystic traditions or like magic-based mm-hmm. traditions is a lot, or like alternative forms of mm-hmm. the sort of hegemonic religions is a lot of those things, and by extension, like D and D and these like magic-focused yeah. worlds. Is that D and D is my religion? Yes, <laughs> privileges a lot of self exploration. Yeah, that some like it. It tends to be sort of community, but also individual focused in the sort of esoteric sense of individual mm-hmm. focus. Like you sort of have to like magic doesn't just work because you do it. Like magic works because of your intention and like your awareness. And in in D and D, it's the same thing. It's like you you have to put you 
sort of get as much out of the campaign as you put into yes, it. Yes, totally. Um, and then it privileges, like, self-exploration of the character. And, like, I personally think it's a better, cooler campaign when you have a more developed character. Mm-hmm. And you know about your character, you'd reveal that at will. But, like, it's not just, like, I'm playing Crash Bandicoot and I'm going to jump on mice or whatever. Like, it's it's here's how and you can make decisions about like if you're playing mass effect you can make decisions about your shepherd and how your shepherd would interact with the world because there's not just one way to play shepherd and that's what's so cool about like choice-based games like Mm -hmm. bioware games and that on a on a grander scale uh or on a on a more i don't know a a more of a scale um Mm -hmm. in D &D, that allows you and in tabletop games allows you to be very literal about that like and you can build a whole religion in D &D. like it, it it you're like Depending on how you do your magic, like this kind of, I don't know, it right. just, all of that, it, it um, speaks to this curiosity and the self-exploration that, like, the, like, queerness itself for me, like, speaks to. Um, and those things be- are very compatible with one another, I think. Yeah, dog. Yeah, dog. Yeah, dog. Um, that feel, I don't know what, how long it's been. It's been about, it's been about, we're about there. About there? Yeah. About we there. like 10 more minutes. We Any, could, we could do yeah, a what else? sacrifice to Gary Gygax. Yeah, sure. Let's Amazing. Gary Gygax. His... Thank you, Gary Gygax, for um, your game that you made. I have a question yeah, for you, Addy. Yeah, a question for me. You do you want to, thanks. Oh, yes. Great. Addy, what has been your favorite D&D experience thus far in the campaigns that you've played? Oh my gosh. That's such a hard question to answer because we've had so many really fucking excellent moments. Something that you want to share with us. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back on the last couple of sets. We, so we had a big hiatus in our main campaign because a bunch of people were out of town and scheduling was a nightmare for a while, but... Um, we just came back to play another session. I think. Oh, my God, this is such a hard question. OK, so the one that's coming to mind immediately is in our space D&D campaign, uh-huh. which we played uh, probably a month ago. We've it was the most recent time that we played. I know it's been a very long time. I am playing a uh, a gunslinger slightly modeled off of a character in the first critical role campaign which I also could talk about for hours and hours but I won't so Petra is modeled after Percy who is the gunslinger in the critical role first campaign and in the most recent time we played Dylan who is my roommate and also our DM for the space campaign let me have a hi Dylan um let me have a very fucking badass uh gun it's like a rail gun. It like cool. fight. It's really fucking cool. But so fighting in combat as like a tank with a gun is really fun for me because that's sure. also not a character type that I usually play. I usually yeah. go for like mid mages and like support types. I tend not to go for tanks or yeah. strictly healers. I tend to go somewhere sort of in between. Um, but it was real fun to play with a rail gun in space. Yeah, that's in D anD. d That's great. Playing with real guns in space is always a good time. Yeah, it was really good. That That's sort of my most recent one. Um, in the first ever session that we played with the campaign that Charles is DMing. Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. Um, Charles. We took down a animated T-Rex skeleton, okay. which was very good, um, while we were all level ones. So that was really fun to like play with level one yeah. shit. I mean, we had allies who were not level ones. Right. But it was fun to sort of explore. Here's all the cool shit you can do. And here's a really big fucking enemy that you have to destroy. Yeah. Um, that was pretty epic. 
as well. I love that space campaign because I love the way that Dylan has translated the rules of uh-huh. D&D into yeah. space. And I'm playing a cleric who's like the medical expert yeah. in that one. And that's very fun. I like the idea of playing clerics because I like the idea of being like heal- a healer. Mm-hmm. And in like traditional D&D, you can also be like a healer who can fucking you can be like a necromancer as a cleric which I'm well that's like my, my death domain cleric is exactly yeah. that. we should talk off the air about uh-huh. that because it's very fun yes um but in space uh since it's more like science based where it's uh-huh. like less of a magic based thing it's fun creating like science explanations for yeah. like or like translating my like cleric cantrips into like medical space terms totally well and one of our other players is playing an arcane trickster rogue Mm -hmm. and so finding explanations for like i can do magic now at level three but translating it into like oh i have a targeting thing that i just equipped on my space suit that like acts as a spell that gives you advantages on against your enemies right is very fun i agree with that that like translating here is this like high fantasy magic shit into like okay but now we're in space and it's the future and it's science right is and very I, yeah. satisfying yeah deciding like how much magic because magic can still exist in space it's, right it's a very popular science fiction totally. franchise <laughs> about wars in the stars about that exact thing um but uh but for us like deciding that totally. we're gonna try and translate it into like science as much as possible is very fun yeah actually it's like a good place to wrap for me Sweet. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's hey, been thanks. really fun being your co-host. This is really fun having you here. Um, I would oh, love to come you. back and talk to you about anything all the time, always. Okay. So have me back as a guest. having you here. Please. <laughs> um, you can find us on social. You can find Addie in, uh, if you're in the Denver area, in Shake's Beer. Oh, yeah. We do this really cool thing. Which, yeah. which and Aaron. Ha- Hannah and, and me, actually. And Aaron are doing now. It's Shake's Beer. Uh-huh. Um, Kai's a fan. Kai's a fan. Uh, we cut down Shakespeare plays to run about an hour sometimes a little more but we try to have them be an hour um and we perform them in bars and breweries while the actors are have drinks in their hand Ah. so we try not to get too crazy but sometimes it gets like one person a little crazy it's really fun and it's free Mm -hmm. um you can find us on instagram at wit dot shakespeare mm-hmm. and you can find us on facebook at the wits shakespeare uh-huh. um i can send some links that maybe these lovely folks will post in their episode description uh-huh. for you but um we're doing we're doing the comedy of errors and king henry the fourth part one uh-huh. this summer so if video games are not doing it for you and you'd like to be outside in the sun and drink a beer with your friends and you live in the yeah. denver area Come and see Shakespeare for the next couple of months. Yeah. Or like if venues. you need to take a break because you got to go outside sometimes. Like vitamin D is a good thing. Or you can take your Switch with you and like play. Yeah. And then the show will happen and you just go right back to welcome. playing Zelda. It's welcome. Or Wolfenstein or um, And or if you come to a show and you heard about us on the podcast, please come and say hi. Yeah. We, I would love that. And so say would hello. Hannah and so would Aaron. Yeah. So. You may or may not know what we look like, but you could just sort of shout to somebody that you've heard about us on If It's Game of Play. <laughs> and somebody will pop up and go, hello. We usually do an audience survey at the beginning, either raising your hands or filling out physical surveys. And there's always a question about how did you hear about us? So you can raise your hand and shout at me that you heard about it on a podcast. That would be so cool. Um, You can find, so that's where you can find Addie uh, and me and Aaron. Uh, You can find us, if it's Gay We Play, um, on Facebook at Gay Gamers, on Instagram and Twitter, also at Gay Gamers with a Z. Um, you can email us at if it's gay we play at gmail.com. No apostrophes. You can't have those in email addresses. Um, you can find us, you can stream us online at stickpokeprod.com slash if 
It's gay we play, hyphens between all those words. Um, and you can find us, um, those are the places you can find us. You can also stream us on iTunes and on Google Play. We would love your ratings and reviews. Um, they help us get seen by more people. Tell all your friends. We have business cards that are also stickers now. If you live in Denver, hopefully you'll start to see them all around the town. Um, there's a friend, uh, a fan that we're going to send some stickers to that we haven't had a chance to do because um, one of our hosts has been in the hospital. Uh, but we'll get there. And if you would like a sticker from us, um, hit us up. We'll work something out. We would love to mail you some stickers if you live in places that are not Denver so you can spread the, the love and the gay. The around. good word. The good word of if it's gay, we play. Um, keep, uh, keep, being, keep playing gay. Keep being games. Oh, wait. We can hear that. Keep, keep, keep being games. Keep playing gay. Keep being games. Keep being Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Love we love you. Bye. Bye.